I want to take as my text this morning that reading from Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 773. Jeremiah's prophecy, chapter 23, verses 1 through 6, which I'd like us to read again. Jeremiah 23, and beginning at verse 1, in which the prophet says, And woe to you, shepherds, who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. And therefore thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. And then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. And I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And in his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The morning, this morning I want to talk about when Christ shall reign. When Christ shall reign. Now I don't know if you're anything like I am, but when I turn on the radio or the TV, it, it often grieves me to see how things are going on in our world and then to see and hear about how our political leaders seemingly sometimes seem to be more the problem than the solution. And with that in mind, it's a great comfort to me, as our text seems to suggest, that when Christ shall reign, he won't get it wrong, like so many leaders do, abusing their power, neglecting the legitimate needs of the people that they're called to serve, provoking God's judgment, which is something people seldom think about, and necessitating, God, necessitating God's divine in intervention. And what it is often, or I should say, what is often true in our day was also true in Jeremiah's day. And clearly, as Jeremiah points out, and as God speaks through Jeremiah, God was not pleased. Indeed, notice again, beginning at verse 1. Should always watch out for a sentence that begins with the word woe, which doesn't mean a language to stop a horse. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Now in the Old Testament, Testament prophets, leaders are often called shepherds which refers to their calling to provide what is best for those that they're called to serve. Indeed, David Taylor, who was a one-time member here not so very long ago in his book entitled Open and Unafraid, the Psalms as a Guide 
to life, he writes this. He says that in the Near East, kings served a threefold function. One, to provide security against its country's, its country's enemies. Secondly, to provide justice and good order within the country. And then thirdly, to provide for the general welfare, the well-being of his subjects. But in Jeremiah's day, King Zedekiah, who was the king of Judah at the time, and all those who were serving as leaders in his administration, weren't doing that. And so Jeremiah says in verse 1, Woe to the shepherds, the leaders who destroy and scatter, but destroy and disperse. That's, a, that's just the exact opposite of what a shepherd does. A shepherd doesn't chase the sheep away. A sh true shepherd gathers them and protects them from the onslaught of, of enemies in the field. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. My people, declares the Lord. Now the word woe is a word of doom. In the New Living Translation, we have it this way. What sorrow awaits the leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep. Or in the New English Translation, the leaders of my people are sure to be judged. They were supposed to watch over my people like shepherds and watch over their sheep. But they were causing my people to be destroyed and scattered. And so Jeremiah continues in verse 2, And therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care, or probably better, lead my sheep. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Indeed, the king and Judah's leaders had failed to lead the people in the way of goodness, and faithfulness to God and the people of Judah had already suffered because of their sins and the sins that were being committed and modeled by their leaders into two deportations at the hands of their enemies, the Babylonians who had been besieging them for years. Indeed, the first deportation took place in 605 and people from Judah were taken from their homes and from their lands and from their farms to Babylon. And then again, a second deportation in 597 B.C. And there was a third and final one looming even as Jeremiah is saying this about Zedekiah and the leaders of Israel which would take place in 586 B.C. And so God continues through the prophets saying to Judah's leaders, verse 2, Behold, I will attend to you. You won't look after my sheep, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to take care of you. Which is to say, I'm going to judge you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. And then God speaks of his divine intervention in verse 3. And then after that, after I judge Judah's leaders, I will gather the what's left of my flock, and I will gather them out of all the countries where I have driven them into exile, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. There's only a remnant now, but they'll be fruitful, and they will multiply. Verse 4, and I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. 
who will, who will, and they, because of these shepherds, will fear no more, and they won't be dismayed anymore, living on the edge of their seats in a constant state of panic. Because I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. They will not fear, they will not be dismayed, made, and neither shall any of them go missing, declares the Lord. Seemingly, this is something that will find its ultimate fulfillment in Christ's kingdom yet to come. It's very interesting. Something that Jesus said to the disciples, his apostles, in Matthew chapter 19 and at verse 28. Jesus said to the twelve, Truly I say to you, in the new world, in the age to come, in the kingdom I told you to pray about, when the Son of Man, referring to himself, when I sit on my glorious throne... You who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones, judging, leading, caring for, shepherding the 12 tribes of Israel. And so when Christ shall reign, he won't get it wrong, as some leaders do. Indeed, when Christ shall reign, he will make all things right in every way and without exception. Indeed, notice again verses 5 and 6. Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David, King David, a righteous branch, and he shall reign this righteous branch as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And in his days, when he comes, when his day comes, Judah will be saved and Israel shall dwell secure. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And so God promises through the prophet Jeremiah, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Declares the Lord means... I promise you, if you're a betting man or a betting woman, I'd say bet the whole wad because it will come these days that he's talking about. Indeed, God says that the days are coming when he will raise up for David a righteous branch. Sort of strange language, but let me explain. Indeed, in the prophets, the branch metaphor the branch, the shoot from, that comes out of the tree is a key messianic reference, a reference to the coming Messiah. Every time the, 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 the prophets talk about the branch, then they go into this description of what the branch will do and bring about everlasting righteousness and the end of death and prosperity and flourishing like it's never been experienced in any of our lifetimes. And that the Messiah is the branch, quote-unquote, means that he is the offshoot that springs from David's family tree, would be one way to put it. That is to say that the Messiah is, a, and always has been described, as the descendant of David. Or if you like, the Messiah is the son of David. Sound familiar? <laughs> Indeed, we know this person to be Jesus Christ. In fact, the word Christ, Christos, in the Greek means anointed one. It is the Greek, uh, Greek 
equivalent of the Hebrew Mashiach, which means anointed one. We could put it Jesus Messiah. His name means Messiah. His title, in fact, we sing that sometimes. Jesus Messiah. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christos. Jesus the anointed one. His very name indicates who he is. And he is the son of David. In fact, in Matthew chapter 1, and beginning at verse 1, Matthew begins his gospel this way. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. <laughs> in fact, I remember years ago, Arnold Fruchtenbaum was a Dallas Seminary graduate and has a special ministry. He's a Jewish man, come, came from a Hasidic family. He had a Christian friend before he had become a Christian himself as a Jewish man. And this uh, friend of his was uh, challenging him, you know, to, to, you know, don't just write it off, uh, Arnold. Think about it. And he gave Arnold Fruchtenbaum, I like to say that, Fruchtenbaum, a New Testament. Well, what's the first verse in the New Testament? Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. And so he read, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And Arnold's testimony was, when I read that, I said, how Jewish can you get? <laughs> Indeed, how Jewish can you get? And the Messiah is a Jew, and he is the son of David. In fact, we read in Luke chapter 1, Gabriel's coming to announce to Mary what, what plans God has for her. In Luke chapter 1 and beginning at verse 26, and in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John the Baptist, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. Hail Mary, full of grace. <laughs> the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Jeremiah says that when Christ comes, he will reign as king, the righteous branch of David, and as king, he will reign in wisdom. Wow! Leaders with wisdom. He will reign in wisdom. And as a king, he will do only what is fair and right, only. And when he comes, his subjects, those who 
love him and, and serve him as Lord, will, Jeremiah says, will be delivered from everything that might do them harm. And in his kingdom, they will dwell safe and secure. And in his kingdom, Jeremiah says, Jesus will be called Lord of Righteousness. Lord of Righteousness, or as Peterson puts it in the message, the God who puts everything right. And so I'd like to make a suggestion this morning that the next time you turn on your radio or your TV, and if and when you might be tempted, as I am too often tempted, to lose heart because of all the wrong that's going on in the world, I'd like, you to, I'd like to suggest that you think with me on these things. As the prophet Micah put it, God has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does God, God require of you but to do justice that is to live and treat people fair and to love kindness or mercy to love it to give people a break they don't need your judgment God will get to that they need your mercy <laughs> and to walk humbly with your God. And as you're doing justice and as you're loving kindness and as you're walking humbly with your God and because we live in America when you're voting for the best people that you figure you can vote for don't forget that better days are coming when Christ shall reign. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. As someone was saying, Lord, to me just a couple of weeks ago, I get so excited when you talk about the Lord coming back. <laughs> yes, Lord, there's lots to be excited about it. And in the New Testament, we hear described people who love his appearing. The people, believers, followers of Christ who can't wait for him to appear <laughs> and, and, and inaugurate all of this. And so that injustices will stop. And that even we will be freed from the sin that still dwells within us and that causes us so much grief, not to mention grief in the people around us. We need to be delivered. We need this deliverance as all the world needs it. And we pray, Lord, you'd hasten the day. And even as we're waiting for that, Lord, and we might be tempted to lose heart, don't let us lose heart, for you are God. Your train comes slow into the station, but it's on its way. Even as we remember, both in the Old and the New Testament, that with you, a day is as a thousand years, and as a thousand years, so is a day. But the train is coming, and you're coming. Help us, Lord, not to forget it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.